Thank you for choosing to listen to our sermon podcast. My name is Chris Mitchell. I'm one of the pastors here at First Covenant Church of Anchorage. If you have any questions or prayer requests, feel free to stop by or send an email to office at anchoragefirstcovenant.com. God bless. Every once in a while, because of current events or whatever, um, I feel the need to kind of split this message time into two messages instead of one. Because I'm like, oh, well, I want to respond, preach on this, but I'm supposed to preach on this, and there's a time limit, because I'm trying to get through First John before Advent. and um, So, you get too many sermons today. But they tie into each other pretty well. Um, because as you know, uh, there is an election on Tuesday. Or if you don't know, there is an election on Tuesday. And so I wanted to start by sharing part of a message I actually wrote four years ago. Uh, for the last midterm election. <laughs> and I'm not going to share that whole message, but I'm just a part of it. And then we'll move into the main text. And they all kind of work together. So, so let's start with the short prayer. Lord, you are good. And we trust in your goodness, Lord. And we pray that your truth and your love be revealed as we dive into... Um, your word as we reflect on it and as we apply it in Christ's name. Amen. So a few months ago, and by few months ago, I mean four years and a few months ago, um, it was the second day of school, of the second day of the school year. Um, and I was running to Fred Meyer uh, before picking up my kids uh, from school because I needed a few school supplies that we missed. And my youngest son, Justice, um, who at that time was in preschool, he was with me. And we gathered up the supplies and I tried to check out, and I realized I left my wallet at home. So I couldn't buy anything. So Justin and I left the supplies, and we rushed out the door. And as we're leaving, I was looking on my phone, like, right, trying to figure out, like, do I have enough time, you know, doing that math to, like, to, to run home and then come back to the store, buy the supplies, and then go back and pick up the kids. And as I exited the building, this lady started yelling at me. And she's like, shame on you! Shame on you! I saw what you did, and I, I was completely confused. I had no idea what she was yelling at me for. And she, she was a little older, but she, you know, she had makeup on and was dressed nice. So she, you know, she didn't seem like just a, a, you know, a person just yelling at me. Um, but she's just, just yelling at me, and I was confounded. I was like, and I asked, I said, what, what are you talking about? I don't understand what's going on. And she kept saying on you, I saw you. You threw your receipt on the ground. People like you are trashing our city. And I'm just like, what? <laughs> like, I didn't buy anything. Uh, so I had no clue on what was going on. And I, I was embarrassed, right, because she's yelling at me. like, um, And this is like kind of like, it's not actually outside of Fred Meyer. It's like kind of like in that Arctic entryway type area. And... Um, and I had already wasted my time to get my wallet, or sorry, going to the store without my wallet. And I'm trying to keep my cool, but this attack was just coming at me from nowhere, just just yelling at me. And um, and so, you know, I'm trying to like explain, but as I try to explain, you know, I'm getting embarrassed, and my 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 temperature is rising. I'm getting heated, and before I know it, I'm just yelling right back at her, <laughs> like, "What are you talking about? I don't do anything. I didn't buy anything. I left my wallet at home." And she's like, you are teaching your son to litter. Because Justice was with me. You told him to throw your receipt on the ground. I said, I, I didn't buy anything. I don't know what you're talking about. I saw what you did. And it was pretty intense. 
And uh, now, um, children, you um, young people, you probably know this, but to just kind of let you in on a secret, um, sometimes when you talk, your grown-up doesn't hear you. <laughs> um, you might be saying something and they don't hear you, uh, and sometimes your grown-up will even answer you, and they didn't hear what you said. <laughs> um, so, right, because our brains and our attention are someplace totally else, so totally different. And it's shocking, but it's true, and at least it's true with me. And uh, sometimes I can be asked something, I'll be so distracted, and I will answer and not know what I'm talking about, or even have any memory that the conversation happened. Um, so maybe I did say something to Justice. Perhaps he randomly picked up a piece of paper and then dropped it on the ground. Um, but I know I didn't buy anything. And uh, I didn't know what the lady was yelling at me about. And this is all happening very fast. I didn't have time to think about it. And I was feeling attacked and angry and ashamed because she's yelling and calling me a bad parent in front of my son. And so we're just yelling at each other. <laughs> and then this man, and it was, there was a little crowd at this point. Um, um, then this man who's part of the crowd, and he, he was watching, and he got in between us. And he's like, there's no need to argue. Look, I solved the problem. And he bent over, and he picked up the receipt, and he threw it away. <laughs> And, uh, and now, you would think that that would have solved the problem, but the lady is still yelling at me, and I'm still yelling back, right? Even though now there is nothing to yell about. Um, but we were just so into our feelings, we had to get it all out. But the real problem had been solved. There was nothing to argue about. Now, I'm saying all of this because Tuesday is an election. And there is a lot of yelling, and... Uh, there's a lot. Of, there's, there's been violence, and um, actually, since 2018, when I first heard this, uh, there's been a lot more yelling and, and more violence. And most of us already have our sides picked out. And I'm not here to tell you which side is right and which side's wrong, even though I have strong opinions. Church, we want good policies and we want good leaders because we care about people and we care about this country and we care about this world. Um, but even the best policies, the best politicians, the best governments, they're all going to fall short of the kingdom of God. In my little conflict at Fred Meyer, um, I had the point of view. Um, I didn't buy anything. I didn't litter. Uh, this woman who called me out and was yelling at me, she had her point of view. She thought she was standing up for her city. And for the people that were trashing it. And I'm sure that man who stepped in, you know, he probably saw the whole thing. You know, um, so he probably actually knew what was happening. Um, and he knew who was at fault. But instead of casting blame, instead of joining into the argument, instead of making more noise, he stepped in, he cleaned up the mess, and he dissolved the conflict. And so uh, I would like to encourage you even as, uh, you know, if you can vote, yes, vote. Participate in the political process as you feel led. But I do want to remind us that we're called to something deeper and higher. And we're, we're called to be like that guy that stood between that, the lady and me. <sighs> Shouting at each other, making noise. We're called to serve, to be merciful, to be peacemakers. We're called to go beyond shouts, hostile rhetoric, violence dehumanization, we're called to go beyond all that because we're called to love mercy, to do justly, and to walk humbly with God. Um, we're not called just to, to vote. 
Um, though that's important, we're called to enter into people's lives by seeing, by engaging. And so this week, if you vote, um, as you talk politics, as you engage in one another, um, I'd like to remind you that your allegiance belongs to a richer, deeper, and truer world. And I would maybe encourage you to take a break from the news. Uh, most of you already know who you're going to vote for if you're going to vote. Many of you have already done it. So why continue to watch the news and get more worked up? Um, Maybe even on Tuesday, when as the results start pouring in, you get to see what's happening all around the country and get worked up about what's happening over in other parts of the world. Maybe don't. Um, at that point, um, it's already been decided. I mean, elections matter, but really, your part, your active part of that moment is done. And it's going to be a few weeks anyways before definitive results are declared with absentee balanced and ranked choice and all that stuff. So maybe take a break. Don't watch the news. Uh, spend some time praying instead. Pray for our country, pray for the outcomes, um, pray for the next steps. And I'm not saying don't care, that we don't care about justice. And I'm not saying to uh, withdraw from engagement. I'm just saying to be like Jesus. In key moments in his life, Jesus withdrew to pray. He withdrew to go before God to express his worries and his fears and his pain over what's going to happen and to commit himself to God's plans. So let's learn from that example. So I'm going to take a moment and pray for this upcoming election and all of our hearts as we engage. Okay? Holy Father God, um, Lord, we know that this election is important, that every election is important, Lord. Um, and we pray for uh, the people that are on the ballot, Lord. We pray for um, whoever is going to win. Lord, we ask that you bless them, that you show them a measure of your goodness so they might know you more deeper and more deeply. Lord, we ask to be people of grace and of mercy um, during these times of high emotion, Lord. That we can uh, that we can hear things that we disagree with, Lord, and know how to be wise in whether we engage and how we engage. Um, yeah, give us that wisdom and. Uh, Just help us, Lord. Help us to be not so invested in this world. Um, help us to, to be working uh, not just on, on election days, Lord, but not every other day to make this place more like your kingdom. In Christ's name, amen. Okay, so now let's dig into scripture. And we are in the middle of the series in First John, right? It's a letter written to a people that needed to be reminded of God's love. And because there are false teachers that sprung up and denied that Jesus had a body. Um, he was a real person. They just said he looked like a person. He looked like he had a body, that he was really just a spirit. 
because everything in this world is bad. And they taught that the material world was bad, including people's bodies. Um, so they thought that you should ignore the things of this world and only focus on the spirit. Now the problem with thinking that uh, this world is bad and all flesh is bad is that you can start to think that people don't really matter. Uh, you can start to think that the things that they need don't really matter. Because if bodies aren't important, right? If a person's body's not important, who cares if that body is fed? If that body has pr proper nutrition? If a body's not really all that important, who cares if they have a place to sleep? Bodies aren't really important, then who cares if they have access to medical care? And who cares if, if they are aborted or if they're left to die because of apparent physical or mental disabilities, which was common at that time? But John knew Jesus. Right? John was one of Jesus' disciples, and he wanted people to know that Jesus was real, that Jesus had a real body. Right? Because God so loved the world that Jesus came in the flesh in his body to redeem it, to transform and to resurrect and restore fallen creation to God's purposes. So John wants people to know how to love people in real life, how to care for real people and their real needs. So, with that primer, uh, let's read... 1 John chapter 3, starting at verse 11 to the end of the chapter. For this is the message you have heard from the beginning. We should love one another. Do not be like Cain, who belonged to the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own actions were evil, and his brothers were righteous. Do not be surprised, my brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love each other. Anyone who does not love remains in death. Anyone who hates a brother or sister is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life residing in him. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need, but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, both truth, but with actions and in truth. This is how we know we belong in the truth, and how our hearts are at rest in his presence. If our hearts condemn us, we know that God is greater than our hearts, and he knows everything. Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God, and receive from him anything we ask, because we keep his commands and do what pleases him. And this is his command to believe in the name of his Son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as he commanded us. The one who keeps God's commands lives in him and he in them. And this is how we know that he lives in us. We know it by the spirit he gave us. Um, now, now, John, he just starts this passage strong. He compares uh, Cain and Jesus. And, and then the story of Cain is, is, is the first story in the Bible after um, Adam and Eve um, disobey God and are and breaks the relationship between God and his creation. It's the first story after that. Anyways, Cain and his brother Abel uh, they make sacrifices to God, but Cain was jealous that God liked Abel's sacrifice more. So in his embarrassment and his wounded pride, Cain murdered his brother. He murdered Abel. In contrast, Jesus, 
Everything he did was pleasing to God. But just like Cain was envious of Abel, the religious and political leaders of the day were jealous of Jesus. And so, they made unjust accusations against Jesus, claiming he was dishonoring God, and eventually killed him, much like Cain killed Abel. Right? So in Jesus, you see all these biblical stories kind of play out, embodied in one person. Now, um, that's a big thing, is how do you respond to accusations? Um, and the, the, the start of the story, right? I, I told that story, and I, respond, I responded to hostility with more hostility. Um, and, and that's the natural way of the world, right? When we're hit, we hit back. When our pride is wounded, justly or unjustly, often we'll turn back and we will wound our accusers back. But that is not what Jesus did. When Jesus was accused, when Jesus faced unjust accusations, he put love into action. First uh, John three sixteen a. This is just the first part of First uh, John three sixteen. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. Now we're going to look at the second part of that verse later. But let's look at how Jesus actually laid down his life. Um, Jesus laid down his life willingly. He laid it down willingly. Um, actually, when you read through the gospel account, Jesus didn't really want to go to the cross. Okay, it's, it's, It wasn't his, his the best thing that he wanted to do, right? In fact, right before he was arrested, he was praying that, you know, hey God, if there's another way, that'd be really nice. <laughs> but he was committed to save creation, not to destroy it. And so he was committed to justice and goodness, even through accusation and intimidation. And so, when Jesus was arrest, arrested, when he was unjustly tried, when he was tortured, when he was murdered, he did not fight. Because he loved us. He loved every last sinner. He, and he foreshadowed his death. He knew that his death was coming all his life. Um, this is John's Gospel, 15, 13. This is him having supper with his, his friends. And he says, greater love has this has no one than this, to lay down one's life for his friends. He knows what's coming. But still, he walked his path. He submitted to humiliating, painful death, bearing not his own sin, because he had none, but the sins of humanity. Jesus goes to his death. He goes to the cross. He goes there without accusations. Um, he's not in the blame game. He accepts what's coming from the world. Of course, a sinful world is going to act sinfully. Jesus repeated several times throughout his life, he didn't come to judge. He didn't come to judge the world. The world's already been judged. That happened way back with Adam and Eve. There's already judgment. There's no need for Jesus to heap on more condemnation. We're living in the fruit of sin, which is shame and blame and death. That's the world. And so Jesus, he doesn't add to the humiliation. Instead, he bears the humiliation. He bears our humiliation, even unto the point of death. Right? That's Philippians 2.8. Bound to the appearance of man, he humbled himself, becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. Okay? Jesus went to the cross without any accusations. And Jesus 
laid down his life while still caring for the most vulnerable. As you read through the crucifixion narratives, you can see that Jesus is always, throughout that entire process, is paying special attention to others, caring for them, even as he faces his own death. Uh, when guards came for Jesus to arrest him, Jesus uh, turned himself in. And he asked the guards, hey, can you release my disciples? Can they go free? Because I'm the one you want. Let them go free. And when his disciple Peter, when he reacted in violence to the arrest, Jesus stopped Peter. Uh, Peter had cut off the slave during the ear of a slave during the arrest. And it's interesting that he cuts off the ear of a slave. Not one of the armed guards, but a slave. <laughs> That's who Peter attacks with the sword. Um, and that says something about followers of Christ that like to pick up swords, huh? We end up cutting off the wrong people's ears. But Jesus rebuked Peter and made sure to heal the slave's ear. And on his way to the cross, you know, he's carrying his cross, going to his death, Jesus turned to his mother, Mary, uh, and who at that point in time, she's a widow, and, and culturally, Jesus would have been expected to care and provide for Mary uh, because widows are the most vulnerable in society. And he turned and he, and he gives responsibility to his mother, to the Apostle John, who's the author of this letter. Okay, he is literally carrying a cross, walking to his execution, and he's like, oh, hey, can you take care of my mom? She's really going to need some help. <laughs> she needs somebody. And as he hangs on the cross, literally dying, Jesus reassures the guy standing, hanging next to him that God's not going to forget him. And that he's going to experience the kingdom of God and the goodness of God. As he's literally dying, he's like, you'll be okay. Don't worry. I got you. You'll be okay. And then Jesus even asked for forgiveness and grace for those that are killing him as he's up there. You would think throughout all of this time that Jesus would be thinking about himself and, and his impending death. But no, throughout the arrest and crucifixion narrative, Jesus is continually looking out. Sorry, excuse me. No. Jesus is still looking out for the most vulnerable person. He's looking out for his disciples. He's looking out for slaves. He's looking out for criminals. He's looking out for widows. He's looking out for all of us that are lost in sin and violence. And that is how Jesus loves. That is what love looks like. So let's read uh, now the full part. The full part of 1 John 3.16. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. And we ought to lay down our lives for others. But practically, practically, what does that mean? Um, so, um, does, does it mean that you actually should, should die for them? Sure, maybe. Um, if the opportunity presents itself, I guess, yes, you should die for somebody else. But how often in the past week did the opportunity present itself for you to physically die for somebody else? Did, did that come up in your, in your daily life? On your drive through to church, um, did you have the opportunity? Because that's what you're supposed to do, to die for somebody else. It doesn't happen that often. So John, he gets a little bit more pointed in the next verse. He explains what dying looks like daily. This is 1 John 3.17. If anyone has material possessions 
and sees a brother or sister in need, but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? What does dying look like day by day? Dying looks like giving up. Giving up, giving up the things that we think we deserve. Uh, it means um, taking less than what we think we deserve so that we can give more. And I don't want to belabor this point because actually the whole sermon last week was about giving. Um, and, but uh, that's just where it just came up again. So um, you can also listen to all of last week's sermon if you need to. But dying looks like giving up what you have to give to other people. To sacrifice the fruit of our work, of our talent, of our time, for the good of others. That's what dying looks like. That's how we die like Jesus. Remember, the people that John was uh, writing to were facing uh, heresies, false teachings, that claimed other people's bodies don't matter. That other people's don't matter. That all they really cared about was people's souls. Because they believed that only God only saved souls. But Jesus came in the flesh. Jesus came in his body to redeem bodies. He died in his flesh to rescue our flesh. He rose in the flesh to raise our flesh from the dead. People's bodies mattered. And when we try to minimize that, we minimize what Christ has done and who he was. Church, we're called to love in action and in truth. And, and, and that's, that's verse 319. Um, it's so easy to turn love into an abstract idea. Sure, I love humanity. I love humanity. I just, I just don't like people. Um, I don't know how many of you said that. I, I said that probably last week. Um, or I just don't like those kinds of people. Or I don't like that kind of sinner. That kind of sinner makes me feel uncomfortable. Followers of Christ do not get that luxury. <laughs> they can't, at least they can't live that way and really follow Jesus. And that's what John's, John wrote, right? Jesus' best friend, <laughs> that's what he said. Right, John, 1 John 3, 18 through 19. Dear children, let us not love with words or with speech, but with actions and in truth. And this is how we know we belong in the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in his presence. Um, this week, there are going to be opportunities for you to die. Maybe not physically die, but there's going to be opportunities for you to lay down your life for you to lay down your preferences, for you to lay down what makes you feel comfortable, for you to, to lay down privileges that you might have, for you to look out for somebody else, for you to demonstrate the love of God, for you to be like Jesus. Um, I pray that we, can, that we can respond, that we can act in that love. Um, I pray that we can love uh, like that guy did. I don't know if that guy who got into that argument between me and the the great I was he even now I'm like that crazy lady, but um, the lady at cars that 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 started yelling at me. I, I don't know if that guy that got in between us. I don't know if he was if he was a Christian. 
But I sure know in that moment, he was a lot more like Jesus than me. He's a lot more like Jesus than me. I pray that you have opportunities where you get to be Jesus, where you get to step into those places, where you can be a person of peace. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we love you. Lord, teach us to love you more deeply, not just with our words and with our happy feelings on Sundays, Lord, but throughout the week. Um, teach us how to love you when we're feeling stressed, when we're feeling like we have no margin left. Teach us how to love you when we're distracted by the good things in our lives, Lord. Teach us how to love you when we feel like we have nothing. Teach us how to love you in all times, in all circumstances, in truth. Teach us to love the things of this world, the things of our life less so we can more, live more deeply in your kingdom, following you. In Christ's name, amen.